You're listening to sermons from Crossroads Community Church. You can find out more information about Crossroads by visiting our website at crossroads.cc or by visiting us on Sunday mornings at 1420 Lakeside Drive in Yorktown, Virginia. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I do want to go ahead and first dismiss our kids' ministry, our elementary age. Their small group leaders are waiting for them right here in the back over here. Uh, So you guys can head on over there. Um, The announcement there that talked about the Thanksgiving baskets, we we had a goal of uh, having 35 Thanksgiving baskets for families in need. And uh, last week, social services called us. We had met the 35, and they called and asked if we could do 10 more. Uh, so uh, we put that out back. We, we increased the amount of baskets that people could sign up for. And right now we still need six for tomorrow night. So if you've been thinking about it or thought you might like to do it, go on the app or website and sign up for it today uh, because we'd love to go ahead and meet that need. Um, we've got 45 families that we'll be able to deliver baskets to tomorrow night for Thanksgiving. All right. So I heard last week was amazing. Um, I hated to miss it. I heard Paul did an incredible job, and Wendy was here leading, helping lead worship. I heard so many of you talking about her. Uh, she goes to a great church in Newport News called Restoration Church, and she's a friend of ours. And uh, she'll be back, so don't worry. She'll be back. Uh, we might talk to her about doing a concert later or something like that. But uh, this morning was powerful. Wasn't that worship just so powerful? I mean, I, I feel like uh, it's already set for me just to roll. So uh, let's jump in. We're in a series called Battle Ready. Uh, we've been looking at um, the different pieces of the armor of God and um, kind of walking through each of them individually. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Uh, let me give you kind of the, uh, a reminder of why we're doing this series. You can uh, see them up here on the screen. Number one, we're in a battle. Okay, there is a real spiritual battle going on around us. Uh, you might not see it, but it's real. Um, and uh, here's something I thought about this week. Uh, what's going on in your life may be more spiritual than you think. In fact, I guarantee you it is. So we're in a battle. Number two, uh, we have a real spiritual enemy. It's the father of lies. Uh, and um, he, he is going to lie to us. He, he is going to try to mess with our minds. He's going to try to deceive us. We can know that for sure. Uh, also, uh, we, can, uh, we need to know how this enemy attacks. Here's the good news. We have the playbook. It's Ephesians chapter 6, okay? God tells us exactly where the enemy is going to attack. So we, we're already uh, up on this thing. We know that he's going to attack the truth. He's going to attack our righteousness. He's going to attack peace. He's going to attack our mind. He's going to, he's going to attack our faith. And so you can look at those different pieces of armor. He doesn't say we need shin guards or elbow pads. He tells us exactly where the enemy is going to attack. And so you have his playbook. And so then last, we need to get battle ready. That's what we've been doing in this series. So let's read uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Let's jump in. Verse 10, if you've got your Bible, if not, follow on the screen. Uh, You can look on your phone or on our app or whatever too to see it. Okay, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Whose armor is it? Put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. 
And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the, de- of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. All right, let's pray before we jump into this. God, thank you for this, this day, God, and we, we thank you that uh, that we know the enemy's playbook, and we know where he's, he's headed. And God, we just thank you that you are our truth, that you are our righteousness. God, that you are the one who gives us peace, that you are the shield of faith. God, that you are our salvation. And God, that you are the sword of the Spirit. So God, we thank you for this moment. And we pray, God, as we look at this together, speak to us now. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from you, and we want to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are all familiar with helmets, right? Helmets have been around for thousands of years. In fact, I think there was only one decade in the last couple thousands of years where we didn't wear helmets, and it was called the 80s. If you lived it, you know it, okay? Uh, but here's a few, a few different kinds of helmets uh, that we have here. Uh, we have a, um, a helmet that is used in, in riots. This is a police helmet. Uh, what's this one? Hard hat or for construction. Uh, this one is uh, for dirt bike riding. And this one, isn't this one cool? It's a pilot's helmet. All right, so I need four volunteers. How about some of these ones right up here in the front? You guys look like you could help me. Four volunteers just to come put on a helmet. That's all I need you to do. All right, come on, you two. Uh, do, you can pick your helmet. Well, I, I definitely need a, a, a female to wear this helmet because it's tight. I tried to put it on myself. My head was too big for it. Uh, come on, Haley, you can wear this one. And uh, let's see, I need one more, one more person, one more guy. Anybody want to volunteer? All right, you'll do it. All right, come on. Thank you. All right, just grab a helmet and put it on. And um, while, they're, while they're getting those on, yeah, you definitely have to do that one. So somebody tell me, like, what's the purpose of a helmet? Protection. That's a great, a great answer. Um, we're going to find out as well that, that helmets are also good for our identification. All right, you guys come out in front of the, front of the tables here so we can, people can see you with your helmets on. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? All right, now here's what I want you to do, okay? Um, Nate, I want you to go like this. All right, and I want you to go like this. I want you to go like this. And I want you to go like that. Okay, all right, come on, let's do it together. It's fun to stay at the... (laughs) All right, thank you, guys. All right, I just had to get them up here and make fun of them. But you guys can put it back. So the helmets are good for uh, protection. Yes, ma'am. And they also identify us, um, they, they help to identify what we're doing. So different helmets are for different reasons. Thank you guys. Let's give them a round of applause for their help. Uh, so if you're not wearing a helmet and you're, you know, you get ejected from a plane, a jet, uh, you, you're going to be in trouble. If you ride on your dirt bike and you don't have on a helmet and you crash, you're going to be in trouble. If you're, you know, if you've got on your, if you're in a construction zone and you don't have on your helmet, you're going to, something could fall and hit you in the head. If you're, 
in a police raid, you need to have your helmet on. It protects your head. If you, if you don't protect your head, it's a fatal blow. It can be a fatal blow if you get hit in the head. But it also identifies us. It tells us exactly kind of what we're doing. So, you know, you've got, we know that this person's a pilot. We know that this person's riding their bike. It's designed in certain ways for certain reasons, okay? Uh, so it identifies us. Uh, you can have a, a helmet on that has a, a big W on it. You can have a, hel- a green helmet on it that has an eagle on it, and you'll know exactly which team won on Monday Night Football, all right? You'll just know because it identifies the team that you're on. So helmets, fill this in, helmets provide protection and identification for the soldier. Now, let me show you what a Roman soldier's helmet would look like. I, I wish I had one in person, but I don't. Uh, the first photo uh, we'll put up here on the screen um, is uh, what a Roman soldier's helmet would look like in battle. So it's probably bronze, I don't know, bronze or copper or some kind of metal uh, that's built in such a way that it protects the head in battle, okay? So um, this, this protects them. But here's the second photo. You've probably seen more of a helmet like this. It's called a galea. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. And uh, that um, red plume is actually, it, it would be horsehair. I don't know if that is, but it would be horsehair. And they they color it red or dye it red, and this identifies you in, in battle. So uh, depending on which way that galea is turned, sometimes it was front to back, and that tells you what your rank is, and sometimes it was side to side, and that would tell you a different kind of rank. But this would identify you in a parade or out on the street or in battle. You would see this person and know who they are and what they're doing. So uh, the helmet provides what? Protection and identification. Okay, so salvation, we're talking about the helmet of salvation, and, and very specifically, it's called a helmet of salvation. Salvation provides the believer protection, and it gives them their identity in Christ. All right? You guys following me? Salvation, that's the key word. Remember, it's the belt of truth. It's the breastplate of righteousness. It's the shoes of peace. It's the shield of faith. It's the helmet of salvation. So this helmet or this salvation, salvation provides us as believers with protection and it gives us our identity in Christ Jesus. Let's talk about that for just a moment. So the helmet of salvation protects our minds. Do you guys know that the greatest battlefield is in our mind? It is. I mean, there's this, where so much of the battle takes place. When the enemy attacks, he usually attacks our, our mind, because he knows if he can influence our, our mind, if he can influence our thoughts, then it will influence the way that we go, okay? It will influence our, our action. Where the mind goes, the man follows. You know that, right? Where the mind goes, the man follows. What the brain is to the body, the mind is to the soul. So where the mind goes, the body goes. And so it has to be protected in the spiritual world from the enemy, because if the enemy can get in your mind then your body will then follow, and then your soul will follow. Notice that it says in Ephesians six seventeen, it says, take the helmet of salvation, or take up the helmet of salvation, or pick up the helmet of salvation. If you can pick it up, if you can take it, then you can obviously lay it down. Now, the, the devil, the enemy, has no authority over our salvation, but what if he could get you to lay down your helmet? then you would be wide open for a blow to the head, okay? Right to the mind. If he can get you to, to lay down your, your helmet, 
then maybe you'll begin to question your salvation. Do you know what I'm saying? If you can lay down your helmet, if you lay down your helmet, maybe you'd be, you'd be so filled with shame that you would begin to wonder if you're even saved. What if he could get you to lay down your helmet and then you begin to deconstruct and begin to say, I'm not sure about all of this. What if you could lay down your helmet and he began to say to you, you know what, you really are alone. Nobody at that church really likes you. And then you stop going and you begin to walk away from your faith. What if he could get you to lay down your helmet? If he could get you to lay it down, then he would, he would have a lethal strike to your head. So it says, put on the helmet of salvation. Proverbs 23, verse 7, we just read all of these together, these chapters together. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So it's not an action problem, it's a mind problem. And so what do we do about that? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into, what does it say? Captivity to the obedience of Christ. So the answer isn't just don't think about it. That's impossible. That's impossible. But to take the thought captive. And Paul and I were able to talk about that, that this week, just kind of in his role as care ministry and counseling here at Crossroads, he began to say to me, what, they need, what people need to do is take it captive. Okay, the thought comes into your mind, you take it. You take hold of it. And then you look at the truth. You go back to the, to the Bible. You go back to your beliefs. You go back to the truth. So you take it captive. And then you put that once it's taken captive and you've, you, you have, have, have taken it to a place where you've made it, uh, you, you've, you've lined it with who Christ is, then you take that thought and you can put it in a jar up on the shelf so the next time the enemy comes at you for, with that thought again, you say, no, 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 no. I've already, I've already taken that thought captive. I've already aligned it with who Christ is. And now get out of here. Like, here's your eviction notice. You're not welcome here in my mind any longer. Does that make sense? Take it captive. It's not that you're not going to think about it. Take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. So that's the helmet of salvation, how it protects our mind. Let it, let the salvation of, of our Savior renew your mind over and over and over again every single day. The helmet also identifies who we are. So when a team steps on the field, they have a helmet that identifies which team they play for. You can identify who's on your team. And the same thing is true with the helmet of salvation. When you put it on, the enemy now knows whose side you're on. Okay? It gives us our identity. It seals us. We're marked with a seal. We are saved. We are Christ Jesus. He gives, he gives us our identity. We are his. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, and that is what some of you were. I love this. You can go back and look at what those things are in verse 9 and 10, but it says, and this is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So we're not who we used to be. We've been washed. We've been made holy. We've been made right in the eyes of God. That's who we are. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. And what? The new has come. Your identity comes from Jesus, and he stands ready to, to transform you and show you who you really are. You're not 
divorced Dan. You're not addicted Aaron. You are his. You are his. So put on the helmet of salvation and know who you are. I am redeemed. I am chosen. I am appointed. I am called. I am transformed. I'm an overcomer. I am gifted. I am forgiven. I'm a masterpiece. I am a child of God. We could go on and on and on forever. This is who we are. The helmet of salvation identifies who we are. Now, the word, the key word here is salvation, okay? What does it mean to put on the helmet of salvation? Man, if we really understood what salvation is and we let that have its home in our mind i don't i don't necessarily believe that we all understand fully what salvation is can we just talk about it for a minute what is salvation because if it's the helmet of salvation that protects our mind and gives us our identity we have to understand what it truly is so let's start simple here simple What does it mean to put on the helmet of salvation? It means to believe the truth about salvation. It means to believe the gospel. It means to believe what Jesus did on the cross for us. It means to believe that we're forgiven, to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, defeating death and sin. That's what the simple answer is. And believe that it's not only this gospel that saves us Um, when we placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but this gospel saves us every single day. Amen? So not only when we placed our faith and trust in him, but the gospel saves us. Salvation saves us every single day. So you have to know what it is. You have to know what it is. And you don't have to go to seminary for 10 years to understand it, to to understand that you are saved by Jesus, uh, to know that there's a man who knows everything about you and still loves you. And secures your salvation. You, you, you can know that without going to seminary for 10 years. We understand that. But there's so much more. Look what it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Uh, some translations say, verse 14 say, having wiped out the certificate of debt. Isn't that cool? The certificate of debt. Now let's look at some of the key words in here. Dead. It says, and you were, and you being dead in your trespasses. Let's start with the word dead. Dead dead, dead. Our sins don't make us bad. They make us dead, okay? And there's nothing that we can do for ourselves. There's not a single dead person that can do anything for themselves. Circumcision, it talks about, and being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Flesh, why are we talking about a medical thing, okay? Well, circumcision was a sign of the Jewish people that they were in a covenant relationship with God. So what he's saying here is that you were not in relationship with the Savior. You were dead in your sins and not in relationship with the Savior. And Jesus made us alive. No longer dead, but alive. Okay, so what does that mean? I've heard that before. He made you alive by forgiving your sins that made you dead. 
He made you alive by getting rid of the debt, the certificate of debt that was against you. He got rid of the charges that were against you. Come on, this should get you really excited. We all have a certificate of debt. Here's mine. Here's mine. Certificate of debt awarded to Aaron West, who has successfully sinned against God, the Creator, in numerous and continuous ways, received his payment in full, death, signed the accuser, Satan. That is my certificate of debt. You have one too. And what Jesus did was he took that certificate of debt and he got rid of it by nailing it to the cross. You, we, we often think that there were you know, three nails in the cross, one in each hand and one in both feet, but there were actually four nails on the cross. There was one above his head that had the charges that were being brought against him. Crossroads, you've got to know, those were not his charges. Those were your charges and my charges. And he died for them. He nailed them to the cross, our certificate of debt. It is done. It is finished. Everything. Everything that you've done has been nailed to the cross. Everything that you're doing has been nailed to the cross. And everything that you will do has been nailed to the cross. And there's nothing that we can do on our own. We are desperate. We are powerless. We are stuck. So thanks be to God for this incredible gift. I think that's why the hymn writer says, if you've ever heard this hymn, it says, my sin, not in part, but the full, has been nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Powerful. This is salvation. But that's not all. Wait, there's more. <laughs> All right, let's keep looking. Verse 15, right after that, it says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, them triumphing over them in it. I hope that you catch this, okay? He disarmed principalities and powers. You see, it's a fixed fight. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that our wrestle, our, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? The principalities and powers of this evil world. So he disarmed, at the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, he disarmed the enemy. It's a fixed fight. He has nothing to come against you with. We have the armor. He has nothing. Nothing. All right? So he embarrassed them, it says, he disarms them. He embarrasses them by making a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. So as everyone watched that day that Jesus was being crucified, they thought it was Jesus who was being stripped of his clothing. They thought it was Jesus who was being uh, you know, shamed by his nakedness and his unfair trial. They thought it was Jesus who was being defeated. They thought it was Jesus who was being triumphantly uh, led on the road to Calvary's cross. But the reverse was actually happening. Do you see this? The exact opposite was happening. It was Satan and his demonic forces that were being stripped. It was Satan and his demonic forces that were being shamed. It was them being made a spectacle of. It was them being defeated. It was them being led in a triumphal profession bound up with Jesus the hero in the front. You see, people would have understood this during that day because, you know, we, we don't necessarily see these kinds of things very often, but when the Romans would defeat a city or conquer a city, they would then have a huge victory parade. 
And what, they would, what those parades would look like is they would have the, the hero of the parade would be in the very front of this triumphal entry, all right? The hero would be there, and he'd be strutting, like, look at me. And then bound up behind the hero would be, well, look here, there's their, there's their politicians, there's their greatest leaders. Look, look right there. That's their strongest soldier bound up. And people would celebrate and see this happening. And so when this was going on, when Jesus is talking about this, it was Jesus who was in the front of the battle. And it was many of the things that come against us bound up behind him in this victory parade. What was bound up behind him? Well, striving was bound up. Striving was bound up. All of our efforts, all of our trying to figure out how to do enough to make God love us, all of our trying to be good enough to get to God or keep the scales balanced in some way, to do more good than bad, all of that striving was bound up. We find out that it's not about what we do, it's about what he's already done. We can't ever do enough. That's what's so amazing about grace. Psalm 46.10 says, be still or cease striving and know that I am God. So striving is bound up. What else is in the processional of this day? Condemnation is bound up. Romans 8 verse 1 says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 33 of Romans 8 says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. I love this. Who is going to bring a charge against me? What are you going to condemn me with, devil? My certificate of debt has already been nailed to the cross. There is nothing to charge me with anymore. There is nothing to condemn me with any longer. And so when the enemy starts pinging in your mind, look at you, you fake, you loser, you look what you've done, look at the mess you've made. God could never love you. No, I have on the helmet of salvation. You can't condemn me because my debt's already paid. All right? God has made it right. It's already justified. What else is in the processional bound up? Death is in the processional, bound up. Death is bound up. And listen, I say that uh, you know, with a ton of respect, and I don't say it lightly at all, because I've been to way too many funerals. But listen to me. Death is bound up for those who are in Christ Jesus. Of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, I don't, this isn't on the screen either, but it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death... He might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Death is in the, profession, the processional. By the death of Jesus, he broke the enemy's grip on death. He disarmed them, and he freed us from ever being afraid of death. Death, where is your sting? That doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. It hurts when we lose somebody. It's painful. It does sting. We do feel the sting, but the power of the sting is gone. Because death is, is no longer uh, this, this incredible sting to us. It's a, it's a doorway to our eternity with our Savior and our Creator forever. That's what it is. So death doesn't hold us down any longer. Death doesn't scare us because we're in Christ Jesus and we're going to live forever. So striving is bound up. Condemnation is bound up. Death is bound up. Led in a victory parade with Jesus Christ, our King, in the front. So put on 
the helmet of salvation. This is the truth of what our helmet of salvation is made of, and it's solid truth. But you got to know the truth about salvation so that when the enemy comes into your mind and into your head with things that aren't truth, you can say to him, I know what Christ has done for me. I know who I belong to, and I know who he is. And all of those things will just begin to bounce off of this helmet of salvation. Put on the full armor of God. Again, whose armor is it? It's God's armor. We have God's armor, and the enemy has no armor. He's been disarmed. We have the armor of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what protects our minds. That's what gives us peace. That's what gives us our identity. That's what governs our thought life, God's helmet of salvation. Now, one last scripture as the worship team comes. Uh, and, and I know that Paul knew this when he wrote these words, this prophecy in Isaiah 59, verse 15. It says, the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head, on Jesus' head. It's his helmet that he puts on us. It says, put on the whole armor of God. He gave us this helmet of salvation. And what he did was he took this helmet of salvation that was on his head in Isaiah 59, and he places it on our head, and he exchanged that helmet of salvation for the crown of thorns that we should have worn in its place. So he wears the crown of thorns, and he gives to us the helmet of salvation. So the devil can't come at your mind anymore. The devil can't have your decisions anymore. The devil's been disarmed. We've been saved, and we wear the helmet of salvation. And he gets all the glory for that, right? The one whose strength it is gets all the glory, and it's his strength, and it's his helmet, and he gets all the glory. So today, if you've never put on that helmet of salvation, let today be the day that you do that. And if you find yourself with your helmet laying on the ground and you need to pick it back up, pick it back up and put it back on your head today and walk in the victory of his salvation in the name of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen? So a couple questions for you and then we're gonna, I'm going to pray. One, do you need to put on the helmet of salvation today? Two, have you put down your helmet of salvation why don't you just pick it back up today and put it back on your head? Lord, thank you. Jesus, you are the answer. And we pick up the helmet of salvation today because we are desperate and powerless and stuck without you. Our sin causes death, and we need you to help us. And we believe that you died for our sins that you nailed the certificate of debt to the cross, making us alive. We believe it. And if you believe it, tell him and thank him for it. Oh, Jesus, thank you. And if you lay down your helmet today, or it's been sitting in a closet somewhere, you need to pick it back up right now. Put it back on. Protect 
your mind because we know the enemy has no power over us. He's been disarmed and we have this armor that we can put on and wear. Our salvation defeats the condemnation that he comes at us with. Our salvation defeats striving. Our salvation defeats death. And so we put our helmet back on and we speak the name of Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Crossroads Community Church. If this message was meaningful to your life, please let us know by sending an email to office at crossroads.cc. You can also watch our services live every Sunday at 9.30 and 11 a.m. or visit our campus in Yorktown, Virginia. If you would like to connect with us, fill out our Connect card by the link in our podcast description. We hope you have a blessed week and we can't wait for you to listen again soon.